Okay, folks, the next guest on our St. Patrick's Day special. Happy St. Patrick's Day, early St. Patrick's Day, if you're watching this before, to everybody. Uh, NFL Network uh, Media, James Palmer. James, uh, a very, very warm welcome to the Irish NFL Show. It's your debut on the show. We've been so fortunate to have a, a lot of NFL media on. It's been great to us. Uh, great to have you on, James. And what a time to make your debut, St. Patrick's Day. I know. I kind of rocked a little bit of like a St. Patrick's look here. I didn't, you know, I... I... I would like to say I planned it, but I actually really didn't. But I'm, I'm glad I'm fitting in. There's a lot of people around me, James. Like I, I live in County Tyrone, right? And there's a lot of people with the same surname as you. Have you any Irish connections yourself? Or No, I don't actually, which is weird because it's one of my favorite holidays. Maybe because I love drinking so much. Um, but <laughs> it's, it, is, it is one of my favorite holidays. My wife and I absolutely destroy St. Patty's Day. There's a great uh, parade here in Denver uh every year that's just killer and we've been in it before which is awesome so uh yeah it's it's one of my uh one of my tops but no no irish irish blood at all but i feel some sort of kinship i think <laughs> i think well i think you'll have to come on over for the uh paddy's day in, yeah. in dublin at some point uh james but um i think time... spare room I'm, I'm ready oh absolutely you've got you've got three places to stay yeah happy days <laughs> you and your wife come on over well uh, you, can, you can drink over here but at this time of the year you you usually are pretty busy and and this week in particular given that you are based in in denver can you talk to us a, a little bit, I suppose, about like the, the Russell Wilson trade? When did you first hear about it and how it's played out since? Well, if you remember, guys, last year on draft day, I was I was in Jacksonville. They had the number one pick going for Trevor Lawrence. And, and that's when the news kind of started or I don't want to say news. I guess more the rumors started of Aaron Rodgers landing with the Broncos. Right? It was draft day of last year. And it was like Aaron Rodgers wants out. Denver seems to be a logical place, blah, blah, blah. And all these rumors started hitting. Those rumors lasted an entire year. <laughs> and what I had gathered leading into the combine, which is when so many deals go down last week, um, was really starting to hear the rumblings that, like, it wasn't really just Aaron Rodgers. And he really wasn't their plan A, and Russell Wilson became their plan B. They had been working on Russell Wilson for a really long time. And all of this credit should go to general manager George Payton, who – you know, has only been at this in Denver for about a year and, and a little inside guys like teams have been asking him to move on from the front office in, in Minnesota for about a decade, trying to get him to be their general manager. And he finally took a job uh, with the Broncos. And, you know, last year and he ends up passing on a quarterback at nine and he really had a grander idea and he'd been working on it for months and months. And then I started hearing like, you know, all these closed door meetings where people in the organization weren't even a part of them. It was really kind of just like George and he's doing some with a really small circle kind of working at things. What he was doing is he was working on, on Russell Wilson with the Seahawks. He was, went back to the senior bowl several weeks past and then they really heated up at the combine. And I kept hearing everybody was saying like Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. And I was like, I, I, I don't think that's the play. Like they've been, they've actually been, you know, having their attention elsewhere. And then when we were on the air on Tuesday, was when first the news in the morning of, of Aaron Rodgers going back to Green Bay. And then I think two hours and like 18 minutes later is when my colleague Tom Pelissero broke the news that that it was Russell Wilson. I was on TV between the two, and I couldn't really say it, but we kind of knew it was happening. So I was like, hey, guys, just keep your eye out there for like, you know, I was like kind of like bullshit. And like, I was like, just keep your eye out there for a veteran. They really feel like they have other options other than Aaron Rodgers, like maybe somebody like Russell Wilson. Like we all kind of knew it was starting to happen. 
And I was like, well, just maybe that's somebody that, and it was funny because my other colleague, Jim Trotter, who was on with me was like, I don't think so, man. <laughs> I was like, no, Jim, don't say that. And he's like, the, it's going to be too much to ask to get Eric, to get Russell Wilson. There's no way that's happening. When it was really so far down the line, really Monday night, the, the Broncos knew it was going to be, uh, it was going to be Russell Wilson. So this was a long time in the making, a ton of work from general manager George Payton to make this work. We can break down the deal all you'd like. I think it's an unbelievable franchise-altering uh, move for the Denver Broncos with their team also being up for sale right now, right? So that makes it – you don't want to say Russell Wilson alters the, the asking price, but he sure helps uh, in terms of what the appeal is of the Denver Broncos. James, we had a live show on Tuesday night, as it happens, and we commented that over years it was free agency starts on a certain date. Then the tampering period has came along, and that essentially is the start of free agency. This week kind of feels like it's free agency with all the frenzy and Carson wins. $26 million extra in the salary cap this year. We saw last year a lot of general managers have to kind of change their, their strategic plan in terms of how they got players in. Didn't necessarily jump in first day of free agency. Do you think that would change come... Monday, do you think they will go back to the old ways or do you think they'll look at how they did things last year and maybe change the way they approach players? Oh, oh, they're going to spend. They are going, they are going to spend. And, and the interesting part about that is um, this year they're going to spend and they're going to spend because they know what it should be the next two seasons. So rumor has it the salary cap in 2023 should probably go up about 20%. And in 2024, it should go up another 20%. So these general managers are in the eyes thinking, Oh, okay. So I'm I'm gonna have 40% raise of the cap in two years. And we know how these guys can manipulate the dollar. Like Aaron Rodgers is not gonna be, you know, getting X amount of dollars at, at each spot and it's gonna hurt them with their ability to to you know sign Devontae Adams. No, they know how to move this money and they know the future cap numbers are gonna be so astronomical from what they are now that they're gonna operate in, in this free agency and in the next free agency, like knowing that it's just going to keep going up and they know they can sign these guys to where there's back end loaded money and they can go after and get them. So I, the, the, the kind of holding area we were in with COVID and the cap, not really increasing with the issues that was going on with attendance and all those things that is, that is definitely, definitely behind us. And it's going to be fun to watch. And if you're a free agent right now, uh, you're excited. Your time's coming up now, as opposed to, you know, a year or two ago. The cap might go as high as fuel prices in Ireland at the minute. Had to put that one in, James. Uh, we're, at I, we're at I am legend field uh, fuel prices right now. Like when Will <laughs> Smith was walking the planet by himself. Yeah. The um, you you've obviously been to Wembley and we've seen all these like like, like that almost turned into like a viral video. Some of the times so you see you from Wembley. I, I don't I don't know, I don't know if you've been to Tottenham, but obviously the games this season that we're, we have coming up haven't been confirmed. But obviously the Packers coming over. There are whispers online, and these are merely whispers of apparently this Bengals Saints game. I, I have no idea. Nobody here has any clue. Meet me, Colin and Brian, but uh, it's really grown to an, an incredible level. And to now, obviously, after this week's news, have Aaron Rodgers hopefully in London is is pretty cool. Like, oh, it's awesome. I have not done Tottenham. I've done the game. I think I've done Wembley six years, six different six different games at Wembley. I think I've done. And I love coming over, and, and it's been a bummer not to be able to go, uh, I guess, this last two years, has it? Has it already been two years? God. And so um, the Packers was always like the white whale, you know, of coming over and playing an international game. And, and everybody was just waiting for it. They were the last team that has yet to play an international game. And I think it's just going to be awesome to come over and, and see, you know, that – 
when the news got announced, I was co-hosting Good Morning Football. We broke the news on, on Good Morning Football. And everybody still didn't know where Aaron Rodgers was playing. And everybody's like, no, wouldn't this be terrible if finally the Packers come and then Aaron Rodgers isn't on the Packers? Like, that would be awful. So I'm so glad he's back and they come over. I'm trying to remember where everybody's at. Who's in Germany? Uh, uh, the Bucks. The Bucks. The Bucks, yeah, 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 the Bucks, and so I, I'm just I'm really excited that we keep expanding it over there because my favorite part of of going and doing the game really isn't even the game, it's like everything that goes on on Regent Street and everything I have in terms of conversations with all these different fans, and they all have these different stories about why they root for certain teams, and I love that aspect about it. Uh, it's really similar to over here. Why I this is my comparison. You guys can tell me if I'm full of shit or not, but like. My comparison is like the way certain people in the U.S. root for EPL teams. Like it's usually they have some sort of connection to that. I made a trip over and I saw, you know, this team play and I got a jersey where I had a family member bring a jersey back to me. And like that I root. There's always these different stories about how people here are so in English Premier League soccer and like why they root for certain teams. I feel like the stories are a little bit similar with why certain people uh, on your guys' side of the pond, root for certain teams. And it's really kind of cool when I do a game at Wembley and you see almost every jersey. Like, not just the two teams that are playing. You see all these different jerseys because everybody's going to represent their squad. And so I got to get to Tottenham. I have to do a game there because I heard the the setup is just is just phenomenal. Uh, so if you guys have any pull with my bosses, get me, get me to that game. <laughs> Certainly. I think uh, by the sounds of things, James, though, the, the league is certainly keen to expand further. So there might yeah. be games in, in France, Spain, Brazil, who who knows? Um, but you are uh, like like Colleen Wolf. you're a Philly native, uh, mm -hmm. a city that I spent some time on a Habitat for Humanity project. I was telling Colleen I uh, lived and worked on Diamond Street for a, a month way back when. Just interested, I suppose, looking at um, that division and with the commanders bringing in Carson Wentz, well, was that uh, something that, um, you know, we heard about the commanders that uh, allegedly even a phone call about Patrick Mahomes, then the, the Russell Wilson talk, but then they bring in Wentz. Was that something you were surprised by or was that something that had been kind of in the background as well? No, it had been there. And first, Colleen and I went to rival high schools at the same time and her school beat the crap out of my school in, in basketball when I was on the basketball team, which she always gives me crap about. But uh, And she's awesome and a really great friend. And so uh, aside from that, the, the Patrick Mahomes thing you mentioned and, and Russell wasn't – it just shows you that, like, Washington was doing everything they could to find a quarterback. And they were leaving no stone unturned to use the catchphrase or the, the cliche or whatever it was. They were looking at every avenue that they could. And so it wasn't surprising that they went whence um, the – compensation was maybe a little bit more surprising than the actual trade itself. Now, guys, Carson is kind of like, I mean, he's kind of the epitome of the way the NFL works and the way sports work. Like, he has an unbelievable skill set in terms of his size, his mobility, his arm strength. Like, those don't come along very often. Um, the other aspects of playing quarterback, the leadership side, the decision making, knowing the balance of when to take the safe throw and take the shot, like those have been his struggles. And every coach in the NFL thinks, look at that unbelievable physical assessment. I can change him. I can make a difference. And this has happened every single stop that Carson has had. And I'm not going to lie. I, I, it's not over. I think it's going to happen again at another destination. But talking to people around the league, like it, it's not a bad 
a, the, the commanders are not a bad football team. They really aren't. And, and a lot of people thought they were like, like Denver, like the Denver Broncos, a quarterback away from really being a team that you have to keep your eye on. I think Denver's a legit Super Bowl contender now, but if they got a really one of these top tier quarterbacks, everybody's going to look at Washington differently. I think we know the Giants are in a full, you know, full rebuild mode. They're going to try to analyze where Daniel Jones is this year. That's where they're at. Philly is going to analyze Jalen Hurts. Howie Roseman, their general manager, is never done looking. I mean, always. I mean, he is maybe the most aggressive seeker of making the team better at all times, all hours of the day than anybody in football. Uh, but they are going to take a hard look at, at Jalen this year. And, and also, you know, they have a ton of picks, so that helps them. Dallas is really the best team in the division. Uh, with the turnaround their defense had this past year. And, and so I think Washington, I mean, the thing I mentioned about Carson is he did get he did get substantially better, right? He led the NFL in interceptions. And then last year he throws a third fewest in the league. He goes from 27 touchdowns and seven picks, but it still was like poor decision-making at times and things like that. We'll see if they can fix him and get him back to that MVP level that we saw in 2017 before the injury. But it makes them very interesting but it also shows you there's so few of these guys out there that you can grab. Uh, if you have a chance at one of them, pe- people reach and, and, and they go and, 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 try, and try to snag one. James, I'm actually a Giants fan, as it happens. And uh, Joe Shane has a big task ahead of him. And one team that we're now starting to keep an eye on is Seattle because they're in at nine in the draft. We saw Malik Willis last week at the combine, albeit it's, you know, I suppose it depends what your play is on the combine, how, how serious mm-hmm. you take it. But, he seems to be coming up the ranks in terms of where his draft order should be now. And will Seattle consider him and potentially even move up with the Giants, you know, in terms of get up and secure that quarterback? You know, you would think if if you're going to sell to ownership, we're moving on from the greatest player in the history of our franchise and, and his prime, uh, and we're going to trade Russell Wilson, you have to present some sort of plan. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to tell ownership, like, we're going to do something. The plans that I've heard out there are we're going to take these picks and now we're in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. And if his legal situations off the field can be altered uh, or completed or we have some sort of conclusion to them, um, they're going to be players for him. And if that ends up happening, I think everybody right now says the Broncos won the trade. If they flipped Russell Wilson and what they did to get Deshaun Watson, who is younger and a better quarterback, and not in my eyes and almost everybody's eyes, that they made a heck of a move. The draft is still in play for them because if you look at the, where their team's at right now, the release of Bobby Wagner, like they're, they're in a rebuild type of situation, right? So the draft wouldn't be out of question. Now, while everything I'm hearing out of Indianapolis after the combine was like, I don't see any of these guys going in the top 10. It always happens, right? Everybody climbs the ladder because everybody's reaching for a quarterback. Like I just said on the you know second ago, everybody's looking for one of these guys. So they always go up in terms of need. And when one of them's picked, there's a run because everybody goes, ah, you know, there's going to be a run of them. I, he, he fits what they do. Uh, I'll say that. Uh, and if you're in a rebuild mode, you don't look at Kenny Pickett the same way everybody else does. Who's going, well, are we like the saints and we're, you know, we need the most quarterback ready guy out of the draft. That would be Pickett or we're the box and we need the most ready quarterback guy. I, I think everything is in play with them. Now I would keep an eye on their, their interest in the Deshaun Watson for sure. Um, and I think that is altered after the trade, but I wouldn't put anything past them at nine. If they feel like now we have to get our guy, these quarterbacks are so different in their skill sets in this draft that if there's one you love, you better get them because it doesn't mean you love all the other guys. Sorry, Michael, quick one. If it is Deshaun Watson, James, then essentially they would deem it not to be a rebuild. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you have to think about it. It's it's not a re- it wouldn't be a rebuild. You ha- the quarterback decides a lot of where you are as an organization. And Deshaun Watson and his age being on the better side of you know the underside of thirty and being in the last time he played uh, a top three quarterback in the NFL and the roster that he was playing with, you have a chance to win with him at all times, even while you're trying to make roster adjustments. I mean, look at you know two years ago when he led the NFL in passing. And could you name me who he was throwing to? I think I caught a pass or two from Deshaun. I mean, that's where their 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 roster was. So you always have a chance with him in a sense. But at the same time, you can you can make some options. But you're right. Your your philosophy would change if you can lose if you can lure him in because you're going to give up a, a lot of capital to get him. We'll see how much capital actually because of everything off the field because he still might he might get cleared of this and suspension might still be waiting for him. So it's an interesting spot. Yeah, it's going to be it's one of the most intriguing storylines now of the rest of this offseason, James. And one thing that a lot of people like really picked up on as well last week and the week before was the love for Indy and the Combine. Obviously, different cities now are going to have the opportunities to host it over the next few years. Um, is the Combine in Indy pretty much in your heart? I haven't had a chance to go, but everyone seems to love it in Indianapolis. I love it in Indy. And there's a couple of reasons that have, like logistically, that I love it and the league loves it. The The... not the hospital setup, the medical setup that is there for all 32 teams to look at a player um, and go through every aspect of the MRIs and the, the, I don't know, medical terms, everything that they're looking at, right? X-rays, everything um, is in such easy access for all teams to be operating in it at the same time. And then for my job and everybody else, there's like three bars that everybody goes to. And that's like, (laughs) that's like it. So, you know, you're going to run in to everybody. It's like stark contrast from this past Super Bowl where anywhere you went in LA, you were an hour away from whatever you wanted to get to. No matter how close or far it was, you were an hour away. Now in Indy, you're like a block away from everything. And you can walk everywhere. You can go everywhere without even going outside. They have like these tunnels that just take you from hotel to hotel to convention center. So I I, I think the league really does like it being in Indy because there's just such a, you know, you know where you're going to go. Uh, and the medical part is really, honestly, like a, a really big part of it. But obviously, just like we saw with the draft, they want to showcase, you know, everything that they can uh, to tour the country and do different things. But it would be interesting to see it in another city because it just it just is indie and the city's small and you run into everybody. And that's the best part for me. And honestly, that's one of the things that coaches love, too, because so many of these guys are friends with guys that are now coaching at other places. And they're all just having beers with each other in different bars and different restaurants. And it's it's a chance for them to catch up. It'll be harder in another city where you don't know the, the stops that everybody makes. James, just finally, maybe before we left, let you go, just to shift gears a little bit. Um, last um, December, a day after the late great Marius Thomas passed, you wrote a, a really kind of beautiful, touching piece. And just for viewers maybe who who didn't get to read that, could you just share with us a little bit about DT and, and the kind of person he was? Yeah, I uh, didn't expect that question. For, yeah, that was... Uh... That was a that was a tough one, man. We had a really special relationship, and we've known each other for a really, really long time. And uh, that was like finding out the news that night, and just kind of sitting in bed with the laptop, and kind of staying up all night, and just kind of pouring my kind of heart and thoughts out about uh, all the, you know, great moments we've had. I would say the the biggest thing that that stands out is you know I, he was a great player. I mean, great player. The combination of size and speed was was unreal in his prime. And the amount of injuries he played through and didn't tell anybody was was really kind of special and old school. 
But the way he was raised and, and losing his mother and grandmother and, and having them be incarcerated for as long as they were and the type of person he became and the way he interacted with kids and the smile and like that's that's really more the person uh, that I think was more special than the player. And, you know, his relationship with Peyton Manning and specifically Peyton's kids, uh, you know, even after they stopped being teammates and Peyton retired and he went to other teams like that continued. And it just kind of showed you like everybody's kids on the team were like huge fans of DT all the time. And that kind of usually in most instances, it means you're a pretty special person. And uh, he, he definitely, definitely was. James, you touched on being in Jacksonville last year for the draft. Jacksonville fourth pick this year, kind of different mindset this year. And um, it looks like they're going to tag, you know, to tag Cam Robinson to come back. So are they going to show away from the offensive line and take Hutchinson or potentially Tibidu? Yeah, that's a really interesting play, right? Everybody was like, well, they're not going to take another pass rusher because they got two first round pass rushers on the team. But I think it like it kind of might show you the way they think about their pass rushers if they look and go with, with Hutchinson. And, and the Cam Robinson tag was a really interesting one because I, I know Doug Peterson really well. And everything about this offseason is based off of Trevor Lawrence. It's uh, how can we make him more comfortable? How can we set him up to succeed? Because we were really close guys with Urban Meyer in, first, in year one with Trevor Lawrence to so be like, are we squandering the best draft pick at the quarterback position we've seen since Andrew Luck? Like, is this getting wasted, like, with what they were doing with him? So it is a huge, huge task for Doug Peterson to make sure everything is set up to succeed around him. We all assumed it's tackle. And I still would most likely think tackle. But the Cam Robinson tag makes you go like, well, well, what? Like, but at the same time, that would allow you to go with somebody like Icky who's like, okay, well, maybe he's a year away. And he's a little bit more of a project, but also has a boatload of talent. Um, and you're like, oh, Evan Neal's really, really good for sure. But it's like, well, maybe we can take a look at a, at a guy that might be, you know, need a little work. I don't know. That's a little outside of the box thinking. But it's it, the tag was one of the more interesting things, guys, that has come up over the last week in NFL circles was like, well, I thought they were taking Evan Neal number one. <laughs> and so it kind of turned everybody on their head a little bit. But just really everything is still centered around Trevor Lawrence. Um, down there, and, and Doug is all about the trenches. So it wouldn't put it past me they went D-line uh, for sure, but like anything within – it's, it's going to be one of those two because those are the really only things that, that Doug cares about right now with, with dealing with Trevor. Yeah, and under 50 days to the draft. Now looking forward to seeing Big Doug in London. James, just finally, obviously St. Patrick's Day this week, you were talking a little bit there about the holiday. Any any traditions that you want to share with us? Or there's nothing. Oh yeah, well we used to. So like I'm I'm not Irish, but one of my best friends here is, and he he is a tremendous cook. And so it was corned beef and cabbage. It was everything like all this stuff from his relatives. Like he literally has recipes from like relatives in Ireland before they came to America that he uses and cooks. And I'm not gonna lie, I'm a wizard with the car bombs. I don't know. I mean like. I, that that's a, the, the Guinness and, and JMO is like kind of like a big deal there in, in his basement. So that's kind of uh, that's kind of always been a tradition. That's usually after the parade in the morning that we take the kids to, uh, that goes through downtown Denver, and then we uh, zip over there for some some delicious grub and uh, and you know usually sleep there. I'm not gonna lie, James. It's uh, at James Palmer TV. Obviously, NFL media will see you on TV all season long. It's obvious because your camera. Has already got his beer goggles on from Paddy's there. So thanks a lot of your time. What um, happened you again soon, man. Thanks so much for coming on. It was awesome. Wait. Oh, are we back? Oh, we're back. Cool. You're, you're back. Up, but, James, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. <laughs>